0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm really confident in our
1: guys' conditioning right now and the fact that they've been able to continue to get work done. Um, Obviously, that's a little bit easier here in Lincoln because this hasn't been as bad in Nebraska as some other places. Uh, But we have an idea with every single one of our student athletes what they're doing, where they're doing it, where they are, who they're in contact with. Uh, For the kids that stayed in town, we know what's going on with them. For the kids back home, we're trying to find that, help them find solutions to stay in shape. And I think our kids will be ready to come back and and practice uh, for sure when the time's right. And especially if everything opens up on on June 1st, that'll give us plenty of time to, to get a team ready to go through a camp.
2: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska head coach Scott Frost on the Husker Sports Network uh, just giving his thoughts on where things are at. His team obviously can't have any organized workouts till at least June 1st, but he knows guys are doing what they can, and he's confident in the plan they have in place. Well, that brings it now to the mailbag as Allie Snow Um, Are you a UNL graduate, by the way? Congratulations, Allie. Um, I know it wasn't probably the graduation Saturday you had expected or hoped for with no ceremony, but how did you spend your graduation Saturday?
3: Well, I woke up, drank a mimosa with my roommates, (laughs) um, watched the virtual graduation, and then I still went out and took pictures because I had to do that in my hat. So that's about it. Ordered some takeout from that Mexican place you suggested. Copel, right? Copel, yes. It was it was really good. Had the guac, uh, chicken quesadilla. It, it was a good day.
2: All right. Well, congratulations. Um, let's get on to the mailbag now. What do you have to start us out with?
3: How big of an impact does Eduardo Andre make this year for hoops and the twenty? Is the twenty twenty class filled?
1: Well, yes, the class is filled unless there is any further roster attrition, which at this point uh, is not expected. Uh, so. They are set. They have their scholarships filled, and uh, the roster is complete. And as far as what Eduardo Andres' role is going to be, uh, he told me when I interviewed him this week that he fully intends on playing right away as a true freshman this coming season. Um, he has no interest in a redshirt, and so uh, he'll play probably spot minutes, um, You know, probably a handful as a rotation guy, uh, but... You know, he brings something to the table that nobody else on the roster brings, and that's as a rim protector. He prides himself on his defense. So uh, as he continues to develop, maybe those minutes and that role will continue to grow, but um, he's going to have an impact right away no matter what.
2: All right, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show, taking your questions in the mailbag.
3: Did Nebraska bring in the best special teams in the Big Ten?
2: Um, As far as recruits go, I mean, they've done a nice job. I mean, you can't really be too critical. Uh, Daniel Cherney coming in, um, he could uh, you know help their – I mean, just think about Nebraska's punting and kickoffs, how poor they have been. They have not gotten hang time. They have not gotten great depth on punts. And they have not consistently kicked the football through the end zone. Well, I think they've improved all three of those areas. We still don't know – who the place kicker is going to be? We know there's a lot of new names on the roster. Uh, Chase Contreras from Iowa Western, um, you know, might be the front runner today, but there's going to be a couple more legs coming in. Nate might know more about that.
0: Yeah, well, I think that Chase Contreras is probably the front runner, like you said. It, I mean, anytime you can add a junior college All American, um, you know, as a walk on, an early enrollee, um, you know, I, I think that you, you got to feel pretty decent about his chances to to go ahead and win the job. But there are going to be I mean, I know there's a couple other kickers. Uh, you got one out of Oklahoma um, who is a place kicker, punter, and kickoff specialist. Um, you've got a, a punter from IMG Academy in Florida that's walking on that uh, that Coach Rutledge recruited after he got here. I mean, there's going to be six or seven specialists at least uh, that are that are walking on in addition to uh, Daniel Cherney getting the the scholarship. So that is quite the flip um, to to you know hopefully help Nebraska's woes. At special teams
3: which big 10 teams do you think are the most likely candidates for big swings and win totals in 2020
2: oh man um i mean nebraska could maybe improve by one or two obviously um are you talking about just improvement or, or or downfalls
3: i'd say improvement
2: improvements okay um i mean in the west i don't see a lot of movement other than you know a win here or there um in the east same thing. I mean, I think it's – I don't see a ton of seismic shift from where things were at a year ago. I'd be surprised if Indiana um, won eight games again. Um, they had eight and four a year. Maybe they're seven and five. Um, they had a really, really good year, but they lost um, their offensive coordinator. Their strength coaches are gone now to Alabama for Nick Saban. Um, I, I don't know, guys. Uh, anything off the cuff for you as far as big improvements?
1: Not – Necessarily. Uh, You know, I think the other way around is kind of the way I see it. Like, you know, what's Michigan's situation going to be? Obviously, they're replacing, uh, you know, a lot of players, especially. Um, You know, they had – almost just as many draft picks as uh, most any school in the conference next to Ohio state. So uh, they have a lot to replace and I'm curious to see where that goes. And the same thing with Wisconsin. I mean, they lost one of the greatest running backs. And Iowa lost a lot of graphics. So, I mean, I think that is kind of more where you're looking as far as teams making a big jump forward, how many of the teams that were at the top are going to
0: struggle to repeat, um, you know, their previous success despite losing so many players. Yeah. I think you could see some teams at the top, maybe lose a couple more games than what they had been, uh, or what they did last year, um, and to me, I mean, I, for for this question in particular, I always probably start at the bottom. You know, I, I think anything you get out of Rutgers or Maryland um, is is an, a little bit of an improvement there. With Rutgers, obviously they have Greg Schiano. I think that's
1: like news that everyone forgot. You know, just because yeah. of all that's happened. Uh, but he's brought in nine transfers, and obviously Noah Vedral is going to compete for the starting quarterback job. So you know, they have probably the biggest way to go up. So maybe just by default that, exactly. that answers them.
2: Lovey Smith and Schiano become the uh, the transfer haven schools in the yeah, Big really Ten. Have. I mean, that, that's kind of the formula they're going to have to use uh, to get recruits unconventionally.
3: All right. Do you guys remember or did you cover the recruiting battle between Nebraska and Notre Dame? Would Tom Zibikowski have played quarterback at Nebraska or switched to defense like he did at Notre Dame?
2: He would have played quarterback at Nebraska. Um, you know, the Solich offense was different than the Bob Davy offense back then. Um, you know he was. You know there there were a couple battles. Nebraska lost for quarterbacks from Notre Dame. Carlisle Holiday uh, was a big time four star quarterback from Houston that Nebraska was trying to get uh, lost on him. And then obviously Tommy Zebakowski. I mean, and you, you go back to the history of our website, the Red Sea Scrolls. I mean, the, the, you got to be some OGs on the Red Sea yeah. Scrolls to remember those days. But some of our our members do remember those days, Nate.
0: Well, and, and Tommy Zebakowski's sister was on the on the Red Sea Scrolls and. <laughs> And everyone would always, you know, be asking, um, you know, for for her input or insight, and she would always just uh, post wink, and and people would just go crazy because they thought that, that Tommy Z was heading to Nebraska, and I mean, it did come down to Nebraska and Notre Dame. Um, this was the year before I started working at Nebraska, and, and actually, Tommy Zbikowski is probably one of the the first recruits that I like really followed closely um and, and kind of immersed myself in all that and um you know I, I know that he was a guy the Huskers wanted badly and he would have definitely played quarterback here all right what do you got next Allie
3: what happens when we have a football season and one or two players test positive for COVID does this does that stop the entire team from playing the team they played I see this as a very real scenario
2: I can't you know I don't think they can really have an answer to that until we get closer to that time I think we learn more about this virus each and every day every week every month I mean think about over two months ago when uh, the NBA players got it I mean people were freaking out I I think we've learned more about who is the high risk categories you know how this virus operates how it attacks and I think as each day and week goes we're going to keep learning more about it
1: yeah, I mean, when that was all going down with you know uh, the Rudy Gobert and stuff like that, it was almost like a death sentence. Like people thought that. everyone's just going to die yeah. everywhere. So I mean, obviously we've gathered a lot more information. By the time the season rolls around, we'll have even more info than we do right now and i think there's going to be contingency plans you'll probably um you know depending on you know the severity of the case just do uh, if a player tests positive they're out for two weeks and you just basically have to have a roster that's able to handle potentially losing your quarterback or any other number of starters if that disease pops up
2: a big thing is the antibody test i've talked to some people in nebraska about this and the university of nebraska med center is working On an antibodies test that I think, you know, the Big Ten and Nebraska would like to use. And if you can test all the players for the antibodies to know who's had it and who hasn't, just right then and there, that will be big because a lot of these players. Could be asymptomatic with very minimal to no symptoms. And that is, I think, the challenge. And the antibody test would at least give you some answers on some of these guys.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that you'd, I think the first place you have to start is setting some guidelines and a and protocol for what, you, what the players can and can't do, how careful they have to be, obviously, um, with where they're going, who they're hanging out with outside of the team. Um, And I think that's probably the easiest way to kind of protect the team. But um, like you guys said, I think as things progress, we're going to know a lot more and probably have some pretty solid protocols in place uh, to handle any type of situation that comes up.
2: All right. What do you have here uh, for our final question, Allie?
3: What game do you find the most intriguing next football season?
2: Mm. Well, there's a lot of them on the schedule. Um, If you go up and down, I mean – the Rutgers game now, just with Noah Vedral, um, gets your attention. Um, I don't know. I think Cincinnati early, though, if, if everything stays status quo, it's such a swing game, a measuring stick game. Um, that could set the tone to get Nebraska to maybe 6-1 and or 7-0 and of their first seven games. And I think that game, to me, carries a lot of weight to swing the season one way or the other.
1: I'm going to go right out of the gate with Purdue. Uh, the fact yeah. that you're opening with a conference game, obviously there's the Bob Diaco ties there. But uh, like you mentioned, the first half of that schedule is so critical to Nebraska being able to finally get to a bowl game that they – If they're able to start off not only with a win but a conference win at home, suddenly you got some mojo going, and you follow the next week against with another, you know, in theory winnable game against Central Michigan. Getting off to a hot start like that and building early momentum is so critical to Nebraska doing what it absolutely has to do, and that's get to six wins and go to a bowl
0: game. Yeah, I was going to say Purdue. I will pivot off that though and go Iowa. I think this is. This is a rivalry now, and I don't care what anyone else has to say about it. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely some bad blood between these two programs, and the Hawkeyes getting Keegan Johnson uh, last week just adds a whole other layer to it. Um, Nebraska has got to go and snag one in Iowa City from the Hawkeyes this year. So that's one game that I'm really intrigued by.
2: All right, that wraps up the mailbag. Allie, congratulations again on your graduation this past weekend.
3: Thank you, guys.
2: All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. That's next. You're listening here to the Huscar Line Show.